Well, hello everyone, and we are going to be doing the book of Jude today, the book of Jude, and I don't know about you, but I've never, I've never studied this book, and what I realized in this is that 2nd and 3rd John and Jude are both very small letters, and because of that, they get neglected, and they have a, a burning message. They have a really strong message. And if, if we've learned anything, is that you don't miss a word of what God says. And so um, I'm so grateful that we did 2nd and 3rd John. But now today we're going to do the book of Jude. And before we start, I just want to, for those listening, you're probably wondering, you know, what are we going to do about all what's going on? And um, I, I don't have an answer to that. And I just pray that in the fall that we can get back together again. And uh, if you don't hear from me, by the end of August, and um, we have many, many contact emails and numbers, but maybe you're, you're a listener and we don't um, have any, any you know, communication with you, and you would like to know about studying Acts verse by verse, line by line, um, word for word, um, then you would like to know where to go and when to go, and there there probably will be changes. So for all of you who do have correspondence, um, be looking, and when when we know for sure, then we will let you know because I'm pretty sure we're going to be um, doing some changes of of um maybe rooms and uh well just just stay i won't i won't go into that now but but stay tuned and then if you don't hear from me by the end of august then please please um call me or email me or um and if you if you podcast then you're on my website and my phone number and email are both on the website so feel free to call and we certainly want to keep bible study going and i am convinced that we um, need to that there this is a time when we need to be in god's word we need to hear him talking to us we need to hear him calming everybody down and we need to know that he is always and will always be in control so um that's just my little information but as of today we this will be my final podcast for the summer but don't think that you're off the hook because there's plenty of things you can be doing. You can be going back and reviewing. Unless you can tell me that you know Revelation clear through, that you don't have any questions about it, then then feel free to tell me that you've had enough. Otherwise, go back. Go back and... and um, Re review John. Review. Remember when we started with the uh, um, David? How we went into the Old Testament and saw how Jesus was promised and how he was um, going to be coming through the line of David. And so we did lessons on David and then all of John. And then we've done uh, all of his letters, first, second, third John, and now Jude. Plenty to review. So keep going over that. And then if you even want to read the book of Acts, then you'll be ready for the fall. So there's my little info, but it's never a time. I don't care, summer, vacation, hot weather. There's no excuse for not getting into God's word. It is the book that's the truth. And we've been talking about that. John's making it very clear to us that his word is the only truth. And so we need to stay in it. So now before we start, open your Bibles, follow through. I, I, I know that sometimes you listen when you're walking and all that, but always make sure you go to your Bible and to go through this and read for yourself and the Holy Spirit will just keep shining the, the light of truth for you. So open your Bibles and pray with me, please. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity. And Lord, we know that it is so much, it's so much better to be together, but it's not possible 
And so we have made the most of this opportunity. And so we say thank you for this technology, for this podcast, for another way to get your word into our hearts. Father, we give you praise. You are worthy of it. And now, please, as we go into Jude, we're going to see that this is what what Jude asked too, that the people would open their hearts and minds to your spirit, because your spirit will reveal these words on a page and the meaning to our hearts. And Lord, we want to hear from you. And we thank you again for who you are and how much you love us. And we know that from this study, that love is just not a superficial, surface kind of love. You love us with the depth that you gave your son for our salvation when we didn't deserve it. So we give you, we give you all the praise today. Again, we say that because we want you to know how grateful we are for our salvation. And we pray this all in Jesus' name who makes life worth living. Amen. Okay, Jude, chapter 1. It's the only chapter. So did you notice that when you see the book of Jude, it is a book but doesn't have chapters. It just has verses. So this is why we're going to do the whole book of Jude today. Now, who is Jude? And that's kind of why we're doing it is because I didn't really know. I didn't really know who Jude was. And so I thought, I'm going to find out. And so I'm going to pass it on to you. Now, interesting though, um, Jude, because he does say he is the brother of James. And so I did some searching, and in Matthew 13, verse 55, and in Mark 6, verse 3, it's the listing of Jesus' brothers. And it lists Jude as Judas. And he was, it was a familiar name in those days, and his name was Judas, but it has been, it's been, um, well, Kind of figured or surmised that that it was shown to Jude because of Judas Iscariot and and because of that name Judas they didn't want any affiliation at all with Judas Iscariot so they shortened it to Jude. Well, makes sense, but um, again, that's just from what I studied, and you can take or leave that. But but we do know that he is a brother of James, and both of them are half-brothers of Jesus. So, in John 7, verse 5, it says that Jude was, or Judas, was one of the brothers that thought Jesus was a joke and he didn't believe in him. And it was probably very hard on Jesus. And I'm sure it was, you know, very difficult for the family to have someone like Jesus in the family. But, but his brothers did not believe he was who he was. And because of that, they, they um, teased, they mocked, they were sarcastic. But then, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says that he was with the, the people that were conjugated in the room before the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, so something happened to Judas, Jude. Just like what happened to James. They realized that Jesus is who he is. And their lives were changed. James became the head of the Jerusalem church. We don't really know what Jude became. But he was a part of the believers. He was a part of that circle. And so he writes, like James wrote his book, the five chapters in the book of James. And then we see Jude, he wrote this book. So he had some connection, and a powerful one, with people, with Christians. 
and whether he had his own church or what, we're not sure. But but he writes us, and he he is writing, thinking he's going to be talking about salvation, and and I'm sure that he couldn't wait to talk to them on that subject. Because once you're saved, how can you not talk about it? Once you've been bogged back and you have a future to look forward to and, and you've got hope and you have abundant living and when you've got Jesus, you can't help but talk about it. And so I'm sure he starts his letter and he wants to talk about Jesus and, and you can you can tell. So that's just a little bit of a background on who he is. And he starts his letter by saying, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Now, he, he knows he is a servant of the Lord Jesus. He doesn't say, oh, and Jesus was my brother. He knew his place. He knew that Jesus was his savior. Jesus was his Lord. And so he classifies himself as a servant. And a servant, that, that's such a, I think when you when you know who you are in Christ, when you when you realize what He's done for you, that humility you you don't even think twice about putting Him on on His throne because He's sovereign, He's God, He's Almighty, and you classify yourself as a servant and and a servant yet not only is one who serves his master, but he also, as a servant, I think it's a, a manager of the message. I think we all need to take a look at ourselves and see ourselves as, as managers. What are we doing with this message, this gospel message that changes lives? The gospel is the only message that will redeem people, will save them, will bring them to heaven. The belief in Jesus, not just believe with our head, but believe with your heart and you've watched your life change. And then you know you are a servant of the, the Lord Jesus. You serve him in whatever way he, he asks you. And, and here James says, I am a servant I, I manage this message. I want to bring this message out. He knows that this relationship with Jesus, because he doesn't mention the fact that, again I say, that he's his brother, but he, he makes sure mostly that his new relationship with Jesus is that he's got the blood of Jesus going through him and has cleansed him and has saved him. And that's more important than the blood, the, the, the human blood, the family blood that maybe runs through his veins. It's more important in this letter that he tells you who Jesus is in his life. And it is the Savior. So he calls himself servant. And then he says, to those now, this is his intro to those who he's writing to, to those who have been called, who've been called. I stopped there and I thought, called? That means it's your choice. You've been called. Jesus came for everybody. God's plan is for everyone to know his son. He calls us into a relationship and just like when someone calls you on the telephone, you have to choose to pick it up. If someone, if you're walking down the street and somebody calls your name, you've got to choose to stop and turn around and acknowledge. So when he says to you, to those who have been called, you have been called. Now, it's up to you. Have you answered? Have you answered the gospel call? 
So to those who've been called, to those who are loved by God, loved, you're sanctified, you are saved, you're sanctified, and you're set apart. Once you have acknowledged the call, you now are set apart as belonging. You are loved by God the Father, and you're kept by Jesus Christ. You're kept, you're, you're, um, you're preserved, you're, you're guarded, you're protected by Jesus. He's always there. And he will say something about the Holy Spirit later in his letter. And then mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Remember we talked about John saying grace, mercy, and peace. And now we, we know that, that Jude puts it this way, mercy. We did not get what we deserved. We are living in the mercy of Christ. And because of that, we can live in peace, the peace of Christ that passes all man's understanding. And we live in the love of Christ, that unconditional, grace-filled love he says, may it be, may they, those three be yours in abundance. Maybe you can use the word multiplied. May, may as you have received mercy, peace, and love, may these three things be working through you and you are multiplying those three things through other people. It's coming through you, you're relating it to others, and maybe because of your genuine mercy and peace and love of Jesus, someone else can know him the way you do. That, that these three things are able to be multiplied. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Then he goes on, dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, see, that's what I was telling you. When, you. when you're talking to somebody about their salvation, it is exciting talk. And, and I'm sure that he was just, you know, once, once you've been saved by, by his grace, you, can you imagine that kind of conversation going on? And, and Judas saying, I, I just want to talk about that with you. But something happened to his to the people he's writing to, and he was made aware of it. And so as much as I would love to just talk about salvation, I'm gonna to have to talk about something with you that maybe you don't want to hear. So this message is not an evangelistic message, but more of a warning and watch out and a pleading, really, to keep walking with your Savior, to be working diligently at this. There can never be a time that we go on vacation from our relationship with our Savior because our human nature is just way too, it's just way too bad. And, and we will listen to ourselves far more if we're not in God's word and we're working at this. We will be pulled onto the track of our own self and we will want to hear our own self and do what our own self wants to do. So he says, I, I'm going to change my course of direction here, and instead of talking about salvation, I am going to tell you that I felt I had to write and urge you. Urge you. That's a, that's a, that's a big word, really. I'm urging you. In other words, I can't make you but I'm urging you to kind of take note, sit up and take notice because this comes so slick and this comes so, so easy. So I'm urging you to contend 
for the faith that once that was once for all entrusted to the saints. That phrase, contend for the faith. I'm urging you to contend for the faith. So I looked up that word contend, and it it didn't surprise me. I mean, it really meant, it really, it, it means work hard and diligent. Now, um, he's not saying, um, he's not talking about our personal faith right here. He's talking about the faith, the faith of of believers, of the, the gospel message. He's talking about the fact that um, this, this message of Jesus that's got to be taken to the world, you have got to work and be diligent about making sure that, yes, I'm not saying it's not a personal faith, because if you don't have a personal faith, you can't possibly acknowledge it as um, a faith that everyone needs. It starts with you and me. But he's saying, I want you to see the big picture here. I need you to make sure that you realize that, that this is a faith. These are essential truths of the gospel that, that false Christ, that antichrist, um, even people you sometimes who look good on the outside who will lure you on the wrong path. The faith that we're talking about here is the essential truth of the gospel that all Christians base their, their faith on and hold tight to. We all have the same faith in common. So he's saying, I urge you, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the faith for the saints. In other words, there's danger around the corner. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago, so in other words, they haven't been they haven't been good people from the start. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless, who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. So these are people that that maybe never personally accepted Jesus as their savior. They never really acknowledged, because it says they're godless men, but you would think if they were total pagan, then they would be aware of that they were total pagan, but they appear as Christian. They are so good at, they can maybe quote, they can, they can entice, they can manipulate, they are just good at it, but they're phony. They, they secretly slipped in. Now, who can secretly slip in? I mean, you've heard me say this so many times. If Satan would just keep his red suit on, we'd see him coming. But so often, they come in secretly, and they slip in, and they probably claim to have more biblical knowledge than we have. They can maybe quote, and maybe we're awed by, but Jude feels it's so important that we are mindful of this. And what do they do? They, they come in and try to say that the grace of God, they try to change that grace, which we know that the grace of God comes through Jesus and the cross and his blood. And they try to maneuver and say things, maybe what you want to hear. Maybe they don't put so much guilt or maybe they, not, they don't convict 
to you so much. You know, their words are like, like Paul said to Timothy, which are itching ears want to hear. It sounds pretty good. And if you are not grounded in God's word, it's going to be words you want to hear. And they're good at it. And, and Judah's saying, I'm urging you, you have got to be diligent and working at, at this faith because there are there stinkers out there who are going to try to maneuver the babes in Christ, maybe those who are, are not so scripturally sound yet. And they're going to try to convince you that, oh, come on, you don't need to do it that way. And they, they use God's grace as a license for immorality. Or they, they can say, oh, that's okay, just say you're sorry. You can do what you want, and all you have to do is say you're sorry. They can twist scripture, but down deep they are denying that Jesus Christ is not only sovereign, they're denying that he's Lord. Because if you know Christ as your Savior, and you know him as sovereign, and you know, and he is your Lord, believe me, you know from the Holy Spirit revealing to you, and what we have seen from the book of John and his letters, that if we truly love him, we do not want to sin. That we are working and changing at, at becoming what we not what we used to be, but a new life in Christ. That's our priority. And these these men are coming in just saying, oh, you know, whether it be a social gospel or all, oh, that's that was Old Testament stuff. You don't have to do that now. Or, you know, they just try to entice a maneuver and pull you away. Jude says in verse 5, though you already know all this. He's saying, you know all this. This isn't, this isn't anything new. I want to remind you. So there, there, there is your proof that even though you might know something, in our human nature, we need to be reminded we need someone to keep reminding us that, that we have to work hard at this and we have to be diligent. We can't get lax. The minute you get lax or lazy, you will get pulled off the track of Jesus and onto the track of self. I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt I know you know all this, but let's go back and, and remember the story. But later, I want you to, but I want you in this story, I want you to know that, that as the Lord delivered his people, later, he destroyed those who did not believe. So what is Jude trying to do here? He's trying to go back to a familiar story, but then trying to say, relate this to our day now, because that's what scripture is for. Every word is relatable to our now. You know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be bad if every time you pick up God's word, you don't say, now, what did that mean for me today? And this is what Jude is saying. Now, I'm going back to a personal story, he says. And you know this, and you know how, how God separated the Red Sea and how the plagues, and, and you know all that. But also, don't forget that he also destroyed those who did not believe. Don't forget that. In other words, we have to, how do we put that in today? Oh, we have watched how Jesus has delivered us. But we can't get lax. We can't, we can't miss the studying and the learning and the growing and the maturing. Because if you're not willing to grow and mature and know him better, maybe you better take a look at yourself and maybe 
you've been playing this pretend. And maybe your religion is more is more based on what church you go to or, or your good works or and again Jude reminds us go back like John go back to the beginning and remember how good he was when he called you to the cross and you went and you humbly went to the cross realizing that you have a savior. But if by chance you just know facts and you don't take that walk, he's saying, I want you to know that you might know the Good Friday story and you might know Easter story and you might know all that. But if you haven't done something with it for your own personal life, for your own personal heart, for your own personal eternity, that there is going to be a day just like back then when he will destroy the unbeliever. And then he goes on and says, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. So now he's talking about the great day. He's talking about judgment day. There's going to be a judgment day. He, he kind of even goes and says, even the angels, even the angels who, and, and who are these angels who did not keep their position of authority but abandoned their own home? Well, we know from the book of Isaiah that Satan was kicked out of glory and a third of the angels went with him. Now we know today that some, according to Jude, some are kept in darkness, bound, they're bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. They're chained. Some of them are chained probably in a place called Hades until hell is opened. The abyss, we've seen those words, until hell is opened. But we also know there are other angels who have been released out into our world and we call them demons. So he's even, he's even making this quite a picture, isn't he? That there are even good angels that have accepted the, their place and they they. I mean, they totally want to be a part and they've, they're servants of God and man. And, but then there's angels who have fallen and they have rebelled against God. And that was a new fact for me. Some angels are being held in the abyss and then there are some who've been released and are helping Satan do his job. in a familiar way, and now Jude, now he says, okay, now you know this story, and I'm sure many of you do too, in a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. I went back, and, and if you have time, see, this, there's so much you can do if you really just don't read it quickly, and then if something sparks an interest like this, the, oh yeah, I know the, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, but I went back to Genesis 19. And in that chapter, I, I guess I was so taken by the evil and the immorality and and the perversion that went on. And what the Lord, what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah. I think sometimes we, we think more of Lot's wife turning into a pillar of salt than the actual meaning that the reason Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed is because the, the, the towns were evil. 
And God wanted to show and demonstrate, and what does he say, in a similar way, and use them as an example. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. I mean, you, you see how God rains, the Bible says it rained down. He rained down fire, sulfur fire. And when Abraham looked at Sodom and Gomorrah, he saw billows of smoke like coming out of a furnace. It's quite a chapter. And Jude is saying, he's trying to use examples of, of how God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, but yet he did destroy those who didn't believe. He does not put up with sin in Sodom and Gomorrah are used as an example to wake us up and to realize that sin is serious. And he's not done. He's going to use another example. In, this, in the very same way, these dreamers, he calls them dreamers. And really, what, what, is, what is the dreamer? He's out of touch. He's out of touch with God's reality. He, he has heard, but he decided that, ah, that's that, that, I don't believe all that, or I don't need all that, or that's a little over the top. And, and a, this, the dreamer he's talking about here is a dreamer who is out of touch with God's word and God's reality. So someone who is not in tune with God's reality, it says, well, they'll pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. Now, in King James, and this helped me a little more because I didn't quite understand about slander celestial beings. Used, he used the, um, the, the word dignitaries. King James uses the word dignitaries, and that kind of made a little more sense to me. These dreamers pollute their own bodies. They reject authority. I tell you, this is, this is what self looks like. They just love self. And so they pollute their bodies. They feel they can do what they want, to what they can eat or drink or do whatever they want. And, but what they're doing is they're polluting their bodies. Sexual immorality, perversion. They reject authority. And what's our authority? It's God's word. He is the all authority. And they, thereby, they might not even have them, but if they do have one, it's shut. Maybe it's just for show. But they're not listening. They're rejecting God's authority and they slander celestial beings or dignitaries. To Jude, he's probably thinking, you know, they didn't believe John, they didn't believe James. Dignitaries could mean the apostles, church leaders. Ah, they're a bunch of they're a bunch of nonsense. They're taking away all our fun. You know, and that's, and again, how could we apply this to today? I think we see it everywhere. And Jude is written, again, that's why I said these little letters, I don't think are, are, are read and studied enough, but they're powerful. I mean, this is such a warning, and it's so relevant. Look at verse 9. But even the archangel Michael... Now, Michael is, and when, when you read archangel, that means that's the, the head angel. And he's mentioned four times in the Bible. And whenever he's mentioned, it has something to do with a battle. He, Michael is kind of like the strong um, soldier. I mean, he is the, he, well, he's Michael, the archangel. I think you and I can picture that. 
He's mentioned twice in the book of Daniel in chapter 10 and 12. He's mentioned once in Revelation chapter 12. And then now we see him mentioned in the book of Jude. And so it says that even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Again, you can't read this fast, or you've got to, it took me so much time, I'm thinking when I first started studying Judith, oh, this will be easy, it's just little, just a few verses, and then I put more time in this this week, because it sidetracked me to so many other areas in this whole thing about, about when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses. I went back, and in Deuteronomy chapter 34, it talks about Moses when he died. It's that the Lord buried him, and to this day, no one knows where his grave is. That's very interesting. Well, then that got me going because then I thought, well, who else? Who, who else did not die? And that was the prophet Elijah. And I went back to 2 Kings chapter 2. And it's been a long time since I, and then I really visited this passage. And Elijah and Elisha were talking together. And Elijah knew that his time was ended and Elisha was going to take over for him. And we all know that a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared. And then Elijah was taken away in a whirlwind. So we know that Moses died, but we don't really know how and, and the, the logistics and the details of his burial. We know Elijah did not die, but was taken up in this whirlwind. And then I went to Matthew 17, and I was reading that transfiguration story. And who came? Who came? It was Moses and Elijah. And I don't think this is coincidence, and that's why, see, you got Michael arguing and debating and disputing with the devil because God had plans for Moses and Elijah. They were going to be coming back at the transfiguration, and while I'm on a roll, uh, could it be that it's Moses and Elijah that are the two witnesses in Revelation 11? That they make another appearance. Again, it's, this is the, the excitement of Scripture. And to see these details, they, they can all fit and and. I mean, whether I'm right or wrong here, it sure got me studying. And, and you can take it for what it's worth, but you can't take away what, I, what time I had when I got into this. His word is such a book that, that is just filled with connections and, and with hope. And even though we don't understand it all, if we really try, we can see there are, there's little nuggets here that make sense. But back to Jude. I mean, here we, we know that, that Jude was in this dispute with the devil, and even Michael did not dare accuse the devil himself. I thought this was really important. It said, he did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against the devil, but said, the Lord rebuke you. I think that's something that you and I should really take note of because I think there's some, there's some 
forms of religion that say that we can rebuke the devil and and um, and we can talk to him and and I would say you know what that's territory that maybe you and I shouldn't go there that we can ask the Lord to do the rebuking I think Michael teaches us something here I don't I don't like talking about the devil and I certainly don't like like giving him time and I, I know that, that in and of myself, I'm powerless against him. And I know that a greater power within, within me is greater than he is. But I, I'm going to take notice from what Michael did. I'm going to let the Lord do the rebuking. I'm not even going to talk to him. I know I need the Lord's help to be able to reject him. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand. So Jude is back to these men who that he's warning these people about. Oh, they're rascals. They're, they're secretive. They're sneaky. And if you really want to know the truth about them, you see, and I want you to know that they speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what things they do not understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals. And what things they do understand is not based on God's word. It's just based on, and I like the way Jude put, unreasoning animals. You know, we marvel at some of the behavior of animals, but, but it's because it's instinctive. And he's referring, these, these men are not listening to the commands of God. Oh, they act like they're high and mighty and they've got, you know, they've got these profound words. And, and again, if we're not, if we're scripturally illiterate or if we are not grounded and working diligently and hard at, at knowing him better and grounding ourselves in Christ Jesus, it's going to sound good to us. They're going to be convincing and Judas saying, I'm warning you. He says, their understanding is just instinctive. It's not listening to God. And their own self, you talk about being self-absorbed. These are the very things that will destroy them. Woe to them. Boy, that, whenever you see woe to them, exclamation point, Judy is on a roll here. He is, he is very firm. And he's getting more and more. He's getting more and more firm. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. Go, go back to that story. Go back to Genesis 4 and read this story of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. Go to Numbers 22. I mean, you first look at Cain, and he was taught the same way Abel was. But his choice was to say no. And self got in the way. And when you look at Balaam, he is a prophet. He was a prophet of God. And because of he had a lust for riches and prestige, he too did what it had what he had to do for himself. And here 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 was a prophet, but he got off the wrong track and self got in the way and look what he check that story, no numbers twenty-two. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. I didn't I didn't know him, but there he was in number sixteen, and he is he is a, he was one of the leaders during the time of Moses. And you know what his problem was? Because he didn't stay diligent and grounded, he was sidetracked. And you know what he wanted? He wanted Moses' job. He was jealous of Moses. Instead of being content with the calling that was on his life, 
So here you've got a farmer, you've got a prophet, and you've got a, le a leader. And when self gets in the way, the disaster that their lives proved. So I think Jude is doing a marvelous job at convincing. He said in verse 12, these men are blemishes at your love feast. Love feast, I found out was, it's kind of neat. They're, they're like a, uh, they're kind of like a potluck and where you come together in fellowship. You know, it's supposed to be a really wonderful time and these men are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only on themselves, they just pig out. They probably didn't bring anything to the potluck and they just pig out. They feed only on themselves. And then Jude I love his way with words here. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead. So both worthless. They are wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame. Wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Wandering stars. You know, we, we know that stars are used to, to not only light the sky, but to guide. Remember the star of the east? And so wandering stars, so no, no guidance. For whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. <laughs> That's quite a way, descriptive way of describing hell. Verse 14, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. So here, here is, there is a book called the book of Enoch. And it wasn't included in scripture, but yet it does still. It, it did then, and it still does. People respect that book. And so many times it will be referred to. So it's, it is a respective book, but, um, and so they, they might use parts of it. And here we see that Jude used part of the book of Enoch, and and we know Enoch, and, and so Jude makes sure it's the Enoch that was seventh to, to Adam. And he prophesied. He was given the gift of prophecy, and he prophesied. And look what he prophesied. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones. Can you imagine seventh from Adam? And he is prophesying about the judgment that is yet to come that we have studied in the book of Revelation. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge, and look, look at all inclusive, to judge everyone. No one's going to slip through the cracks. They might think they've gotten away with it here, but nothing escapes our Lord. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts that they have done in the ungodly way and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I know I kind of emphasize those words, but look how many times Jude used the word ungodly. And ungodly is simply when self is on the throne, when self thinks they're adequate for salvation, when you don't humbly come to the cross of Christ. And Enoch prophesied, and Jude put it in there, that someday, and we know it's true, that the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands to judge everyone, to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts that they have done in ungodly ways, and of all the harsh words, ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These men are grumblers and fault finders. 
I thought about that a little bit too. I thought those those people that he referred to in how many ways ungodly. And I'm thinking, you know what? It's true. Grumblers, fault finders, negative people. People with no hope and doom and gloom and oh, woe is me and all that kind of stuff. You know what? That's when you're out of touch with your God. I hope you think about that. And I know I did. These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires and they boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. It's all about them. All about themselves. And then, as he winds up this letter, he, it's kind of like a, in my Bible, the, it starts, it says, a call to persevere. You have to know what you're up against so that you can put on that full armor of God that you can really know that this is serious and that it is a fight, it is a battle that we're in. Dear friends, he says, but dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus foretold. They too warned. They said to you in the last days, they will, there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. I don't know if that doesn't raise a hair on your arms. I don't know what is because we are living in a world that that is so true. And we have been warned. In the last days, there will be scoffers. They, they mock Christianity. They, they, they call it a weakness. And if you are not grounded in God's word, yeah, Jude is warning you can you can kind of fall right into their pattern. Scoffers will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. Remember, I told you the spirit was going to come in here. We are loved by God the Father. We are, we are preserved by Jesus the Son. And, and we, we can hear the words of God's Spirit, the wise. We can have, be wise in the Holy Spirit when it comes to decisions and who do we follow. And He said, just remember, these people who are self-centered when it's all about them. They are they're connivers, they're the manipulators. They're ungodly. They're going to be destroyed. They don't have the Holy Spirit. And then verse 20, but you, dear friends, it's like he's, but you do. If you've been to the cross, you're assured you've been gifted with God's Holy Spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Your most holy faith. Your faith is based on what you know about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Keep learning. Build up means keep, keep getting stronger and stronger. And you get stronger and stronger when you're building your house on the rock of Jesus and his word. And pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Always open God's word and then pray that the Holy Spirit then makes sure that you're not reading words, just words, but you're, you're hearing, you're actually hearing God talk to you. And that he loves you so much that he gave you the, the book to be able to follow. The instruction book to know how to live life abundant and full and righteous. Keep yourselves in God's love. You know, between John and Paul and James and now Jude, they got it. They knew what God's real love was all about. His saving 
powerful, unconditional, grace-filled love is all about. They experienced it. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Keep holding on. He's come back. So what a what a view of instead of feeling afraid of what you just read in the first 16 verses, Jude is saying, but look what you've got. Keep yourselves until that day. Keep yourselves in God's love. Keep get, getting and growing more and more in his word. Getting his word inside of you. Growing so that you hunger and thirst for more. As you wait. That's what we do until the day comes. I probably referred to this song so many times, but I, I, it just comes back to me so when, when I hear what Jude's instruction is. You know, I know what a day that's going to be and when we see Jesus, the look on his face, the one who saved us by his grace, but, but we have work to do. Until then, until then, keep yourselves in God's love and wait for the mercy of our Lord. He's coming. He's coming back. But until then, make sure that, that you've got a song in your heart. That you've got hope that is just gushing out of you. That when we live in such a hopeless world and hopeless situations, no, when you're one of his, we wait for that day when he makes it all right. Be merciful to those who doubt. Oh, merciful. Just remember that you weren't given what you deserved. That's what mercy is. Now we have to in turn, when people are coming against us and those who don't have what we have, we have to show them mercy instead of saying, oh, you're pain, or there's no hope for you. No, no. Jesus didn't say that about you and me. He doesn't say that about anyone, and he wants to use us, and because we've experienced his mercy, he wants us to live out this mercy. Snatch others from the fire. Save them. Now, I know we personally can't save them, but we sure can show them the way, and before they snatch them from the fire, before it's too late, before they go to hell, we have opportunities To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Don't get tempted. It's so easy to look at the flesh and the flesh is so powerful and we want to go there and it's so enticing and it looks so good and hate it. Yeah, that's okay. Jude used the word hate. We can use the word hate. Hate hate it when I fall into my own flesh way of thinking. Hate it when I when I go my own way. Hate it when I when I get negative and critical and sonicky and but I want and how come you didn't do and no, you wait for when he's gonna make everything right and we know as his children that not only will he, but we have positions. We, he, I, I don't think that our words, our English words, can even relate to what we're going to see and know and experience. But Jude does end. He does end this way. This is the way he wants you and I to get up every morning knowing this. No matter what the day brings, and we, it can be filled with surprises and totally different direction than what you anticipated, he said, remember this. To him who is able, oh yeah, he's able. To him who, who is able to keep you and I from falling. Falling where? Into ourselves. When we fall into ourselves, it's no one's fault but our own. 
Because Jude reminds us that to him who is able to keep you and me from falling and to present you, he is able to present you and me before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Isn't that something? That we're able to stand in God's presence without fault and with great joy. And it's not because we have done anything to deserve it, but it's because of Jesus. Jude is, is ending his letter by making sure that we know this, because we, if we know this, this will help us to live abundantly. If you keep in mind, when your flesh wants to take you in another direction, isn't it great to be able to have the Holy Spirit who will say, remember, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior. Yes, he is the only God. He is the only Savior in all glory, all majesty, all power, and all authority is through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages. Now, so before all ages, and now, and forevermore, forevermore, amen, so be it, this is God's word, may, have, may you have heard this, this little letter can change your life, I know it did a number on me this week, thank you Father, for knowing just what we need when we need it, but unless we hear your call and choose, if we open up our spiritual ears because we have a desire to want to know and we take the time and we work diligently at hearing your words, Father, we're going to miss it. And I am so grateful that I did not miss this little letter this week. It's a little letter that I will be going to many, many times. Father, you do know. You do know so well. And despite ourselves, you loved us anyway. And Father, we just can't thank you enough for Jesus. So because Jesus, you are God, we say thank you. And because Holy Spirit, you've been left behind so that we can understand this and let it just do a number on our lives and change it so that we see less and less of ourselves and more and more of you. Father, we just, we just give you all glory. We give you all majesty and power and authority. And we are very, very thankful to be able to humbly call ourselves servants of the Lord Jesus. May we manage this gospel until the day we see him face to face. We know we have a responsibility. May we make the most of every opportunity and we pray this all in his name. Amen.